yeah. Just radio. Got, uh, yeah, I think it's just radio. And I think a lot of other morning shows did it for a while, like bigger markets. And I just don't think it, I mean, in the end, it all comes down to ad revenue. If the sales staff can sell it, they'll find a way to do it. And that probably hasn't come across the radar screen yet. So, yeah, ad spots, that's the name of the game, right? Money. You just got to fill I mean, time. Was, yeah, I remember when I first had an internship at KNBR down in San Francisco and and moved up here and I got hired by the radio station. I had all the stuff I wanted to do and talking about ratings and how people would be interested. And my guy, he's just like, JB, if you want your boss to approve it, you got to tell him how it's going to make him money. It's that simple. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, that's the key to a lot in life is framing it for the other person. Don't come at it, especially job interviews, why you should hire me because I'm so great, but how I'm going to make you money and what I can do for you and what right. I can do for this business. Absolutely. I mean, it's a business. They want to make money. What a concept. And not just a business, radio today is, I would imagine, incredibly competitive because there's not I mean, a lot of people out there anymore. It's definitely changed a lot. I mean, when I got into this, I started in 2000 and, you know, you had radio, TV, print, and this was a crazy market because Eureka is a small market by volume, but at one point you got to figure you had all the different radio stations plus two newspapers. If you go back to the Eureka Reporter and the Time Standard, this pre-social media, uh, TV, you've got, you know, uh, North Coast News and KIM doing their thing. And then you had uh, CBS was doing their thing. So very competitive. And then, yeah, social media came in and I think has definitely changed the game. And I thought it would have hurt, but I think it also helped with local radio because, if, you know, people can listen. They can get music or different stuff wherever they want. But if you want to know what's going on in Humboldt County and you're going to work in the morning, your choices are limited. <laughs> so that's where we try to make our magic. Are you guys putting the morning show out online too? Or is yep. that just broadcast? No, it's all online. So we've got, Bicoastal Media's got five radio stations and they're all between apps and websites online. Yeah. Has it been weird watching that change? I mean, 24 years is a lot of time to put into this. It, it is. It is. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't happen overnight, right? So you just kind of notice it as it goes and it evolves. Um, you know, I think definitely the market share gets cut into or things like that. I mean, I notice... You just notice different stuff, right? Like sometimes you, back in the days with Pete Meyer, you'd say something or make somebody laugh or say something stupid. You'd hear about it from a lot of people and you know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen to that extent anymore, but, but that's okay too. That's got to be one of the downsides of a local community or a small community because everything that gets said, any joke that's cracked on air, everybody's going to hear it. Well, yeah, I think the hardest part isn't so much that the hardest part is just the sensitivity level of what you can say like when i first got into radio it's like okay just make sure you don't cuss on the air and you'll be fine and then as it goes you got to be careful who you can offend by saying what or things that you didn't even think were offensive and so i think the disappointing or what i don't like about the medium as much anymore as it's changes i find myself thinking a lot more about something i'm going to say before i say it um and i wish i had the gravitas to maybe just let loose more often but um, you know, I'm not, my goal when I get up in the morning, isn't like, Oh, how can I get reactions or how can I get a rise out of people? I think still to this day, it's what well, my first boss told me is like, JB, our goal is and talk about things changing. I want people to listen to your news in the morning. So if they're at the water cooler at work, they're not missing what's going on. Right? Like I'm not trying to be Walter Cronkite or anything like that, but you're just trying to keep people informed and now people don't even go to work anymore. So I doubt water coolers even happen. <laughs> yeah, everybody's working from home now. Exactly, exactly. So I bet that transition has been pretty apparent from what you can say to what you can't say in that sensitivity uh, level. Just, yeah, absolutely. Just the, the reaction. Like when I first started doing it, you know, I noticed there were certain 
areas of of groups that you definitely, if you touched, like you, there's much more. You can't make fun of everybody the same. Let's put it that way, because you would notice different reactions if if you took shots at you know different, you know, just whatever, whoever you were picking on or making fun of, right? Because if it's a joke, it's at the expense of somebody. Period. So whose expense that was may change uh, the reaction of what you get. Okay, so be it. So much. So like, if you're gonna make an you know, a joke about whomever, there could be a price to pay. But now just little stuff like, um, heck, I don't even know pronouns or them, they, or if, you know, you just say, oh man, there were chicks or something like that's like derogatory. Now you got to really be careful on, on what you say. So for me, I guess that's always like, I love sports more than news. News is more important. I get it. But like, if somebody, I remember years ago, I don't know if you remember, there's a story the family was out at the beach, I think around Oric. Dog went in the water, and the kid went in, then like the dad went in, the mom went in. They all died. The dog came out, and like the girlfriend of their sister, I forget it was, sat there and, and, and watched. And it was, and I, I gave the story the following Tuesday or Monday, basically going off the sheriff's report. And I included that the dog lived. I thought that was a crucial part of the story, kind of like maybe helping other people, like don't go in the ocean chasing your dog. And a friend of the family like came in, she came to the station that morning and just screamed at me and was so mad. And she's like, that doesn't matter. And it's tragedy. And it was, it's a tragedy and it totally sucked. And news is serious. Sports is fun. Like you can be like, Hey, I think the Dodgers suck. The Cowboys, like I took shots of the Cowboys yesterday. After those. like in the end, it's, it's sports fandom. That's part of being a fan. And I guess that's what I always loved about sports was nobody's going to lose any sleep over it when it's all said and done. Whereas news can be. It affects people in a different way. It's a little more touchy. Absolutely. I mean, it's people's lives, you know? But that is an important part of the story. Even if you just take it at, okay, don't go into the ocean after your dog. Right. I mean, it was was tragic, right? Like, these people died going in after their dog. And I think if anybody's ever had a pet, like, they understand, right? Like, you get it. And that's hard to sit there and watch, I'm sure, your pet. But I, I, for me personally, when I gave the story, I thought it was a crucial part of the story. And you're hoping maybe people won't make the same mistake twice. So, and I get it for the lady. It was raw. She was upset and you know, so be it. She was a friend of the family. You said, yeah, she was a friend of the family. And she literally came down Humboldt Hill, knocked on the door and just like screamed at me. And so that's, that's the hard. And then there's other stuff, you know, I mean, people, um, just little random stuff. Like I remember one time talking about the medium in the center divide of a freeway. And of course it's a median, not a medium. And this like, people you're an idiot you're a moron and it's like all right whatever i misspoke shoot me (laughs) yeah that you got to just brush to the side because people are always going to want to nitpick stuff like that right well yeah i think it's yes and that goes for anything right i remember i had a football coach when i played it at humble state doug atkins and he was like remember you're never as good as you think things are never as good and never as bad so when people you'll get people too like oh i listen to you on the radio i think you're great okay i'm not great great. so that same token too the next two people who tell you what a dipshit you are on the radio. You don't let that <laughs> bother you too much either. So, yeah. You it almost beats have to working just, for a living. Oh, yeah. Well, and you get to talk. You're just, you're using your voice. Right. So well, you're like, gonna you've say, been doing this for what? Almost four years now. And that's, I think, the beauty of, of radio over television, let's say. So, like, back in 2000s when I'm coming into it, it's like, all right, how, what kind of sports do you want to get into? Or news, for that matter. But, like, if you're limited to a half-hour newscast, in theory, I know it's a lost art, but you stick to the facts, you report the news, and you move on. And if you're the sports guy, you've got three minutes. 
And, you know, the morning radio, you've got a four hour show, you got stuff to fill and you can go off subject and you can talk about, um, you know, instead of just saying the chiefs beat the pants off the bears, you can go dig deep around Taylor Swift being at the game and all these Swifties going nuts. And then it's Travis Kelsey, this, that, uh, or the other, but more importantly, that stuff would be more fun if we're having those conversations, whether, you know, it's. It's the milk can game, and it's Fortuna versus Ferndale, and people get fired up. Because anytime I think you can be local, I think that's the key. Just like I'm sure with your podcast, right? You want to be local. If you're trying to do a podcast competing against, I don't know, whoever the biggest podcasters are, the All In or uh, Joe Rogan or uh, Caller Daddy, whatever it may be, that's going to be a tough, tough one to go up against. They've got the audience, and they got the national thing. Whereas if you can carve out a niche for yourself locally, you might be onto something. In my opinion. But even with that amount of time, four years or 20 years, mm-hmm. you're going to say something. Absolutely. Multiple something. Absolutely. And then they're just out there. Absolutely. And you have to find a way to say, okay, that's in the past. We're going to move forward. Yeah. I mean, and that's what's daring and I'll give you credit for, right? Like you're putting it out there, then it's out there forever. For the most part, when I say something on the radio, it goes in their ear and then they got to stick it in their memory bank. Like we thank God it's small market radio and they don't keep stats of like every like when i worked at kmbr in san francisco which was at the time was like the major sports station in america everything that went over there got recorded and they had copies of it so if there are any issues and you know god bless small market radio for the most part when it's gone it's gone and that's something i was too like people could get upset about something you said on the radio or think you're a moron but they get over it whereas like back in the day like print or now it's you know blogs or websites or if you write it i think human nature if you read something, you're much more inclined to believe it opposed to something that you hear, in my opinion. It just seems more official. You took the time to actually write it down. Right, you, you wrote it down, there it, it is, and it's not going anywhere. Like, boom, wrote it down, fact. So, yeah, and that's why I think a lot of misinformation gets put out online because people, oh, well, it's got to be a fact. I read it somewhere, and, well, you know, back in the day, I'm not saying newspapers are always putting out facts, but they did have to answer to people. And there were paychecks involved. And then, you know, now that anybody can put a blog out, you can essentially say what you want. But at some point, as a consumer, you have to separate the difference and what is what. You have to do that across all mediums now. It's not even just, okay, the internet, take it with a grain of salt. Now you have to take the news with a grain of salt. You have to take newspapers, these trusted organizations. Everything now has to be looked at through this lens of, okay, is this, who who wrote this? Right. I mean, in the end, right, like, journalism for years was report the facts. Like when I went to journalism school, you were supposed to report the facts and keep your opinion out of it. Well now, like, I mean, news it's, you know, you look at, you know, the different nationals like MSNBC, CNBC, Fox, like go to the gym, right. And all three will be on the TV. They're all covering the same story. It's three completely different stories that you're getting because, you know, they've got a base that they're trying to get to and meet advertisers and do all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely, I think become very biased and true journalism. You're not supposed to put your opinion in a story unless it's clearly stated opinion piece. And I mean, come on now that those days are, are definitely gone. Yeah. Now it's just the reality news aspect. It's like we went from reality TV to, okay, this isn't enough. Let's make everything reality TV, the news, just daily life. People are just live streaming everything they do throughout the day. Oh, it's nuts. Like, how about those two kids that killed that guy in the bike the other day? And in Vegas? videoed like, it. They freaking videotaped and thought it was fun. I'm just like, I, I, I'm blown away. Like, 
Yeah, with the if you go on the internet, you can find anything, and people will videotape anything, and it's it's bananas when you think about it. <laughs> well, how who would think first off to do that? Second off, to video yourself doing that live and put it out there. So, yeah, I did this. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe that's fortunately I mean, for insane. me, and I feel blessed that I did not grow up in the world of social media and cell phones and things of that nature because thank goodness that things I did as a dumb kid were not yes please thank you sir thanks for coming on man um and just being so like I guess they just that you grow up in that area too and I think what has, know, has helped me but something I'm conscious of with anything I put online or social media like learning before social media, there are consequences for things that you say and do that are be consumed by other people. And I'm always blown away that like what people are willing to share on Instagram and Facebook and like, like, bro, slow your roll. Like once that's there, it's going to be out there. And you don't think like whether you're going for a job interview or you meet somebody, you're trying to land a date, they're not going to like throw your name and social i mean everybody gets to do background checks these days it's like yeah and then those kids are laughing like oh i'm gonna get a slap on the wrist and it'll be done and it's like bro your life is toast like let's say he did get out of jail in 30 years what's gonna become of like all you gotta do oh my god that's the guy that hit the guy and killed him you're toast well it's just for what reason i mean you're just driving you're i get you're hot riding around with your buddy but to hit this guy who's just riding his i mean what that's back in the, well, back in my day, I'm pretty young still. How old are you? 25. Okay. Everyone was afraid that it was going to be video games. The video games were going to make people more right. brutal, that violence was going to translate from these video games from Grand Theft Auto into the real world. I think it's social media. I think it's this desire to get famous or the desire to get clicks, to be sensational, that you're just going to do whatever because it's not tangible anymore because you can see everything online. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a sickness or a disease, but, and I'm guilty of it. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, like, if I post something on Instagram, like, it makes me feel good when I get a like, or somebody's like, oh, that looks so cool. So, you know, God forbid you find yourself in a place where you wake up and it's like, how am I going to get clicks or how am I going to become, you know, TikTok famous, TikTok famous, or, you know, an Insta celebrity. So I can basically hawk you know vitamins all day and become rich and not have to go to work and i don't know i mean two-door psychologist jb mathers says that i think unfortunately for kids a lot of stuff like right they want and hey those guys are right i mean i read about them on tmz today okay who was kim kardashian taylor swift and these two idiots i, I don't think that's probably when they're sitting in jail cell though i imagine they'll they'll regret it but yeah it is it's tough when i think you find yourself and i i do worry about and I don't have kids, but if I was a kid or a parent, like I'd be nervous. Like, I, I hope you're not valuing yourself or what you do based on how many clicks you're going to get or how many followers you have or, you know, likes. And, and it's it's rough. Yeah, I don't know where we go from here. If this is our baseline right now, and technology's not even close to where it's going to be in ten years, what does that look like? People, the world's just burning. They yeah, it's a great. Fire. Well, I think. You know, if you've ever seen the movie Idiocracy, I haven't seen it. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is hysterical. And then, like, the next time you, you start seeing where we're going as a society, you're like, oh my God, this is not good. This is tragic. But, you know, it basically just talks, I mean, you know, 
the president of the United States is, you know, a reality TV star. What a concept, right? Like that would never happen. And the movie that wins like, you know, Oscar for best picture is like an hour and a half of farting. Like it's just like the de-evolution of society. So watch it sometime. It's uh, it's either funny or sad, depending on, on how you look at it. Yeah. I, I don't know where you go. I, I think about one of my coworkers, uh, Jace, who was Jace on air at Power 96, where he was showing me whatever, Nick, if you had called me and left me a 10 second voice message, he can put it into AI and replicate your voice. And it's like, okay, I mean, take your pick on the things that can go wrong with that. But whether it's somebody pretending to be me to do dumb stuff or you or whomever, and I mean, you could get, you can get anyone's voice, right? Just leave a message or whatever. But at the same token too, what if like my employer doesn't need me anymore? Cause they're like, Hey, we have JB's voice and we could get him to do like actual news and not his moronic comments that go with, I mean, who knows, right? It's just, we're at the infancy of all this stuff. And, and I've before played around, like, I'll be like, okay, write me a 60 second newscast that involves these stories. And thank God they haven't perfected that yet. Well, that's what's going on with the writer's strike right now or the actor's strike is they don't want, there was some clause where the studios wanted to be able to use their likeness. So they would come in for a shoot and then in perpetuity, they could use yeah. their image for anything. Well, I think Bruce Willis, if uh, my understanding he or his family sold his likeness moving forward, because um, I think you know he's ill now and he can't act and after he's gone and uh, we've seen it with different movies with the, the AI and Look, I think it's tough if you're the writers because I saw the writers in their strike put in, you know, you cannot use artificial intelligence. Well, there's no turning that back. Like, we have to figure out, I think, twofold, how to embrace it and how to protect ourselves. Like, dude, I've seen Terminator 2. I've seen this story before. I know how it goes. I never thought about it for radio, though. Does that worry you a little bit that they're just going to create these no, AI? I, I, I mean, no, because if they do, there's nothing I can do about it, right? Like, you have to... You just, I think you just, you have to evolve constantly. And, you know, 15 years ago, radio was my life and that's all I wanted to do. And then, you know, at some point you realize, well, one of two things are going to, or you got a couple of choices. You can try to go to a big market where you can actually make some money. Well, twofold, not talented enough. And then that's tough because you live and die by a ratings book every quarter. Well, the good news about small market radio is you're not living or dying essentially by a ratings book. Like there are ratings, but I don't think anybody cares. Nobody sells advertising based on ratings unless it's like, you know, do a national or Safeway or something like that. It's really built on uh, relationships. So like for me personally, probably, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, I, I also got into real estate uh, here because I love, I love Humboldt County. I love Eureka. And it's like, okay, how can I stay here? but also, you know, make a decent living and try to have a, a decent quality of life. So I just think you, I just personally think you have to evolve or figure things out. I mean, I'm not, if they figure out how to do AI radio, trust me, I'm not going to be the one stopping it. So you, you just have to come to grips and hope you're in a position where you can uh, survive in whatever the, uh, the battleground looks like. Yeah. Adapt or die, right? Like you're right. I definitely think you're right in that, that concept or that case well it's interesting that i mean these were problems that people didn't have to worry about five years ago and yeah. then now they're here absolutely like, okay where you're almost walking this tightrope as the tightrope is coming out so you don't really know where the next step's going to be but you know it's coming you don't know what it yeah, looks you know like it's coming. yeah i mean it's hilarious right like now you get you can tell when somebody has like responded via an email or something with with ai i'm like bro dude i know you like <laughs> 
you can never write this good or be this thorough or or do something. So it's like, okay, is AI gonna like devolve into people like us or not? So, but it, again, it's at the infancy, and I'm sure they're it's only gonna get better and they're gonna perfect it. And to what effect that happens, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just hope we can embrace it and use it in our uh our best interest and make it a benefit and you know, a tool and not uh not a detriment. Have you seen the TikTok trend where people are pretending to be AI, just these NPC characters? I, I have not. For okay, so I do enough things that waste my time on my phone. So I have not I've not gotten on TikTok. Not to say I'm I'm against it or I'm old curmudgeon guy. I'm just like JB. Like I get that weekly report from my phone and it's embarrassing how much time I spend on it. So I'm like, I do not need to waste any more time on my phone. So no, the only thing I've seen is like I've seen stories of like AI, like Instagram models or people and like people like fall in love with these things and they don't exist. Well, back to my buddy, Jay, so he's working the words. He literally, he was having so much non-luck, you could say in the uh, Eureka dating pool. He gave up and was like, literally had like an AI girlfriend and he would text her and do all this stuff. And it came with like videos, I guess, and stuff. And I'm like, this is a joke, right? And he's like, no, I'm serious. And then the best part was she eventually dumped him too. Oh, no shit. God, you got dumped by your AI girlfriend. That is awesome. Damn, how does that work? It's a great question. I also have not, um, you know, I have not delved in the AI girl. I think she just, I mean, it's true. I guess she's realistic. She got tired of his shit too. Yeah, something's <laughs> got to go sideways for you, especially if you're paying for the service and she dumps you. That's, that's not good. That's a wake not up Not good call. at all. Yeah, that's, that's. maybe it's time for therapy or uh, an AI therapist instead of an AI girlfriend. Yeah, you got to ask yourself some tough questions at that point. A lot to ask. No, no doubt about it. Well, this NPC trend, these people are live streaming themselves on TikTok. Okay. And they're pretending to be non-player characters, which is NPCs. Okay. And so they're just saying phrases depending on if someone donates X amount of money or not. And so say you donate $5, it's a hot dog. They'll say something about a hot dog. And the whole point is to pretend you're not a real person, I guess. And you're just saying these phrases as people are donating, but they're making an insane amount of money doing this. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars for maybe an eight hour Dude, stream. We're in the wrong business. Holy jeez. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's news to me. Uh, again, like if I had it figured out and I knew it got the clicks or I could figure out a way to say hot dog and make 10,000 bucks for eight hours, sign me up. I'm in. Would you do it? If this was, if you tried it and people were into it and I'm making 10,000 bucks in eight hours. Yeah, absolutely. One, I'd ride that pony for a while. I mean, is it hurting anybody? I don't know. Cause That's I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm still, I'm trying to figure out the whole concept of it, but yes, yeah, so if I could go on some sort of stream and say, I trust me, I'm trying to figure out how I can get paid tens of thousands of dollars for eight hours of work, whether the, and speaking, Hey, more power to you. That'd be fantastic. Pay a lot better in radio. That's for sure. <laughs> That's the crazy part is you're making a ridiculous amount of money, but well, you're again, not really doing anything. And maybe that gets back to the conversation we were having, you know, a few minutes ago about kids trying to get clicks and, you know, I mean, who wants to wait tables or who wants to pound nails or who wants to be a podcaster when you can go and say, you know, hot dog for eight hours and get paid, you know, 10,000 or you get, you know, a certain amount of likes or you see, you know, Kim Kardashian gets paid, you know, X amount of dollars, but like, there are not a lot of Kim Kardashians out there. You know, I've got a buddy, his wife sells some type of jewelry that's like accessories for Apple watches. 
and their whole marketing scheme is, and they have this like PR company and there's just like a set list. Like, okay, if this person has X amount of followers, they will wear the watch or the jewelry and, you know, hashtag it for, I don't know, $5,000. If you want them to talk about it, it's like $20,000 and it depends. And I'm just like total bananas to me that, that that's the way it's happening. But apparently that's the way it's happening. Are a lot of people in radio trying to branch into that? Not necessarily the TikTok NPC thing, yeah, but just the you know, media I, side of it. That I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of people, they're trying to combine the two or, I mean, look, I just, where I work, I would say no, it's small by coastal. I mean, the guys I work with, I work with Ron Trehearn. He likes to do his social media stuff. Lugnut, who's the new morning show guy. I think he just plays around through the, the social media branded under the station. And then the rock and roll burly man, like he literally just got an iPhone and like, I have to show him how to text. So, um, I wouldn't say it's big there. I recently went down, uh, Oakland days had a, a media day and they're an interesting group, right? For a while, they were completely off the radio and went only digital. And I ran into a guy who I used to, uh, Chris Townsend shout out. I used to work with at KNBR back in the day. And yeah, he was just talking about really how, you know, the big market, even their radio had really, really changed. So I think for radio personalities, TV personalities, I think they're just trying to figure out. I don't think the game has necessarily changed, or excuse me, the medium has changed, right? They're still trying to be talking heads and want to have hot takes or say interesting stuff and have people react and find an avenue where they can get paid. But 20 years ago, you could do that just on the radio, just on the newspaper, just on the TV side. But now it's it's a convoluted market. And the way you used to have to break, break through is you had to impress a boss or find somebody that was going to willing to give you the column space, the airspace to go on. Well, now you don't, that's been cut out, right? Like you can start, you know, you can have your own Instagram page, your own TikTok, your own podcast, whatever it may be. So the market's completely flooded. So the question is, how, how are you going to separate yourself? How are you going to get noticed? How are you going to, you know, be different than the rest so you can have a following and my buddy's wife will hit you up so you wear the watch on your podcast and be like, this is Nick. I'm rocking the, you know, the gold member watch and you get it 5,000 bucks for it. And quite frankly, I don't think she cares if your content is trash or it's the greatest thing ever. Are people watching it? You know, are you interesting? And so that probably gets us again. Why are people doing ridiculous, stupid stuff, hitting people on their bikes so they can get likes and they're 16 or 17 so they're probably not thinking about the consequences that go with it yeah i don't think anybody that young really is you're just thinking about doing the thing no like when i was 16 like i mean uh i wanted to know all i could about girls um i wanted to hang out with my friends and that was either you know playing a nintendo or shooting hoops or wiffle ball whatever we were doing and what's mom cooking for dinner like i couldn't imagine like the extra being thrown on of like having the ability to get outside of my bubble, right? Like my bubble at that time, it existed of the people you went to school with in your nucleus or the people around your neighborhood. Not, I did not have the ability to be like, you know, to broadcasting, you know, to Montgomery high school, much less the rest of the United States or the rest of the world. So that's, yeah, I think that's a lot more to grasp. And in the same token too, I don't think young people are embarrassed about the same stuff that I would have been embarrassed about. Like, I don't know if they're embarrassed at all. I know. 
Like my, like, I mean, for me, my worst nightmare of high school was like, you know, is my zipper down? Am I going to get pantsed at recess? Or, I mean, that's the stuff. It's like a major ordeal. And now you see like it's the shit they're willing to do online. And I'm like, I'm mortified for them. And they're just like, eh, whatever. And then, and then I guess I'm the old fuddy duddy. Cause I don't think people in their age group seem to give a shit or have like that big of a reaction. It's just, you know, Jimmy being Jimmy or doing whatever he may be. Whereas, you know, for me, maybe that was a, a, a deal killer, but for them, it's just, it's Tuesday. Do you think the idea of this gatekeeper and kind of someone who lets people into these positions, do you think that that was valuable back in the day? You mean like a boss? Yeah, like a boss, but you, you were talking about you had to impress somebody and then that person well, kind of I opened think, the I door think, for you. I think you had to be accountable, right? You had, in the end, like whether you want to say it or not, it's a business. The time standard was there to make money. You know, Bicoastal Media was there to make money. And in the end, I know that if I go on the air and just utter complete bullshit, there's a good chance I'm going to get fired and I will not have a paycheck. Now, if I'm, you know, some dipshit with the phone, I, I can go on, you know, there's freedom of speech, but there's not freedom of consequences. So what... Again, if you wrote that article, you had to be accountable for that article. If I say, anything I say on the radio, I have to be accountable for to my boss if I want to see that next paycheck. And I think, you know, if a kid's 16, they don't have to be accountable anyway, except for the, probably their mom and dad, okay? And who knows what that looks like. But where does their accountability come down the line? You know, I mean, that's probably going to come back, or I would think that probably come, comes back to haunt them. I think it's safe to say that those kids that hit the guy on the bike, that's going to haunt them for the rest of their lives, okay? So that's how they're going to be accountable. But at that time, I don't think they thought about the accountability. And I think that's a big difference is, you know, you just look at Twitter or X or whatever it's called or whatever, Instagram, all this, you see so much bullshit online. That is not fact. There's no basis, but People have a hundred thousand followers and they're just going to say shit and then people eat it up, but there's no accountability. Like, I mean, back in the day, if Walter Cronkite was a big deal because he was accountable and the people trusted him and he made CBS probably a shit ton of money because he was the man. Now, I get it. That's changed. Like news anchors. I don't even know if I could tell you like who the major news anchors are like back in the day, right? Like you had Walter Cronkite and then you know, Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings. And that was like a staple of, cause that's where you got your news, right? Like you got the paper in the morning, then you have to watch the evening news at night. And obviously that has totally been blown completely out of the water. But I, I just think it comes back to accountability. Like back when there were only so many avenues and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but there was accountability from your boss. Cause if you cost the boss money, your ass was out of a job period. And now who are you accountable to? Yeah, I don't have any of that accountability. I could come on here and say whatever. The guests can say whatever. My only accountability, if I have some, is to myself. And the idea that I don't want to just come out here swinging from the hip just to spread bullshit. When I first, uh, first got started in radio, I got a flat tire one day. And I, I couldn't afford to get it fixed. Like I was just fresh out of college. I didn't have money. Just started radio. 
So I happen to break down or get the flat tire near a tire store. And like for this reason, I will not mention them. And I went over and was like, hey, can I borrow, you know, your jack so I can change the tire of my car? And they basically laughed me out of there. Like, you got money? I was like, I don't have any money. And they just like laughed and told me to take a hike. So I was pissed. I went on the air the next morning and fucking unloaded on that business, right? I'm like, I'm going to show these guys. And I unloaded on them. And I thought I was being justice and right. And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. In my opinion, I was being right. But in the end, what I did was I heard a colleague of mine whose client that was. And they said, fuck off. We're not going to advertise with you guys anymore. We heard that you know guy this morning talking shit about our business. And it's like, I learned very young that there's accountability for what you say. So it's like, so that's like, I noticed that you'll see people on Facebook all the time, right? Like they, I went to this restaurant and they, this, or they, that. And again, they don't have to be accountable, but like, I know I learned at a young age in radio that like, you got to be careful what you say. And it's not about, look, were they right or wrong? At the time I thought they were wrong. In hindsight, they're a business. They're there to make money. They're not there to lend out jacks. You know, I should have probably just shut up and kept my mouth shut, but I didn't. And they stopped advertising. And so that hurt the bottom line of the station. I was fortunate enough to keep my job. And then one of my coworkers who was client, he was obviously bent out of shape with me because, you know, I cost him money and he works, he works on commission. But, you know, that's a lesson I learned early. And, um, you know, you just think twice before you, you know, you covet somebody and somebody's livelihood. And like the right thing would have been, in my opinion, is to call that place and say, hey, I don't appreciate what happened yesterday. Just, or, you know, just as a person, not to go, you know, full blast. Like, it's nuts what people do now. Like, I hear these stories of people who leave, like, one-star Yelp reviews and businesses calling and threatening and this, that, and the other. But I, I do think, so the flip side, right, I think it is good that businesses have to be accountable to their customers. Like, now, back in the day, you just have to worry about that food critic coming in and giving you a bad review. Now, every single person who walks into your business, they possibly could go on social media, Yelp, Google, whatever, and uh, say things that they didn't appreciate about their experience at your business. Well, not even if they are patrons of your business. How about that case where the MyPillow guy went to that Mexican restaurant and people flame the Mexican restaurant just for taking a picture with the guy? Regardless of your politics, they didn't do anything. It's not the service wasn't terrible. They didn't have cockroaches coming out of their food. They just took a picture with a I, semi-famous I thought, yeah, I guy. I felt really bad. I think it was what, Trace Picos or whatever. And yeah, I felt, here's a guy who comes in. Well, I mean, classic example. 2019, I met Donald Trump on a golf course. I took a picture. I literally was just golfing with friends in Ireland. Okay? And I wanted to take a photo to document. It was, it was a bananas day. Like, secret service. Like, without a doubt, probably the craziest day of my life. So I just wanted to document it. I got a picture with him. I posted it. People lost their shit. When I didn't make an opinion about Donald Trump. I didn't say anything. I just said, hey, I met the president of the United States. This was nuts. I didn't say I love Donald Trump. I didn't say I hate Donald Trump. I didn't say a goddamn thing about Donald Trump. People, okay, so I posted it on my Facebook and my Instagram. And so there's, in general, right, like if you follow me, you're a friend of mine. People were pretty, I mean, some friends were like, hey, I think that's the greatest thing other. And then others were like, you're the devil. Well, News Channel 3, Manny Machado was working there at the time. He was the news director, and he took the photo and made a news story on it. Well, when it goes on KIM Channel 3s, those people aren't my friends. 
And I remember sitting in the airport and my buddies are reading the comments on Facebook. I said, just stop. I can't handle it anymore. Cause people were just crushing me. Like they hated Donald Trump. And so they were going to tunnel that hatred at me. So back to the trace Picos, like Mike, the pillow guy is famous, right? Like whether you like his politics or don't like his politics as a, as a humbled County resident, I appreciate that they took a photo with somebody famous. I'd be like, wow, interesting. That guy was in town. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But yeah, people like boycott that business. Why would you boycott a business? You, do you, are you really telling me that they should have told that guy, sorry, you can't come in? Was this 1950? You're going to tell exactly people what they wanted. Well, that's, and that's unfortunate. And it's probably not just exclusive to Humboldt County, but there's so many people at least in this community, like the pitchforks are out, like go to any of the local news outlets or go on the social media stuff. And like, anytime, you know, something happens that may be progress for our community, there's just going to be the same. It's just, it's like rinse and repeat of the pitchforks are out and how dare they. And like, why is hurting that Mexican restaurant? What like, okay. You don't like the pillow guys politics. Don't buy his fucking pillow, okay? But don't shit on this poor restaurant who these people are trying to make a living, you know? And I just, I would hate to be in a place, I would hate to be in a community where we are turning people away because of what they believe. And I would attest, if you ask most people that, they would probably agree with that statement. Yet, the my pillow guy walks in because he wants to have some food. God forbid he's driving down 101, he's hungry. And literally, like, people like, oh, we should boycott it. Okay. No. Yeah, what do you get out of that? What did you do? What did you do by hurting a local business? I wonder how many of those people were locals versus people that just saw it and were just pissed at the MyPillow guy and wanted to attack something. Right. Guilty by association. So fine, talk shit about the MyPillow guy then if that's your deal. But what, you know, don't, don't hate on the restaurant and don't hate me because I was on a trip of a lifetime in Ireland and bumped into Donald Trump. Like I look, he was the sitting president of the United States. I don't care if it was Donald Trump, Obama, Bill Clinton, Abraham Lincoln. Like how many times have you got a chance to meet a, a president of the United States? None. I would definitely take a picture. With and one. I would, you know, like again, like I, as if I followed you, Nick, and I'm going to follow you now, of course I would, I mean, like, I think that's cool or that's an interesting experience. And I would hope that you would share that with the rest of us. And, you know, if, you know, you hate the guy, then maybe I'd have the shots of whoever you took the, the shots with. But I wouldn't be like, oh, Nick, what are you doing? You're a terrible. I'm never listening to your podcast again because, you know, you sleep on a <laughs> pillow or whatever. So I don't know. I don't understand people. Let me be first to admit that. Well, that's almost kind of the flip side to this accountability thing is it's not just accountability in your actions for the greater good, you could say. It's accountability for any cause, any means, any subjective opinion. So like, what if you posted that picture and your boss comes down and says, hey, we, this is bad for the, for the news station. We can't have you anymore. And then you lose your job. Yeah. Which because is you took a, distinct, a picture with the president. Which is, I mean, now that in hindsight, right, that could have been, a, I, I don't think the Donald hatred, the Donald Trump hatred was as bad as it is now. I mean, honestly, I was very naive to it. I was just like, 
you know, I mean, how often do you go somewhere and you have to go through secret service? I mean, I documented the whole thing, the secret service, the warship, like it was bananas. But would I think twice about it now? Yes. Would I still, I mean, I still have the photo up. Okay. So that's, I guess I'm of the opinion now, like, trust me, when it pops up in my memories, I'm not like going, Hey, look at this. Like it, but it's there. Like, you know what? If you have a problem with it, my opinion is fuck you. That was, that's something that happened in my life. And it's a day I will never forget to say the least. So, but yeah, I could totally see people and you hear stories, right? People losing their jobs because of, I guess, who they associate with. Or yeah, if I had a boss who was, you know, upset about that, then I could totally see that, that happening. And I guess my justification would be like, I don't want to work at a place where, you know, they're going to do some, but at the same time too, like I need a paycheck and I got bills to pay. So That's thank God it happened in 2019. Yeah. Before all this, right. <laughs> I wonder how what the reception would be now. Probably what it was, but just amplified. It, I think it just be amplified, right? Like kind of as I feel we are as a community or whether it be, um, you know, a nation like, you know, twofold, right? Like one of the sayings, what the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Like, I just feel like people are going farther in each direction and you just have to be louder and louder. And again, how do I get likes or how do I get my views? You got to have the hottest take going. You know, so my take's got to be hotter. Don't worry about it, whether it's true or not. You just got to have the hottest take that people are going to be like, oh, snap, did you hear what Nick said about, and, you know, and then unfortunately with the news cycle and the th things go on, right, there's no repercussions for, you know, um, you know, the people who went on Facebook and said, don't eat at that restaurant because, you know, don't eat at that restaurant. They're, they're commies or something. And I'm just speaking off the wheel now, but. In the end, what happens if said restaurant goes out of business, those people probably went bankrupt. They're probably in some financial turmoil. The landlord now has a tenant who's not paying rent. Uh, we have yet another vacant property that people are going to drive by and see in Eureka, California. So people have paid the price, but where's the accountability for somebody who, you know, put fuel on that fire? It's know. non-existent. Exactly. It's, I mean, I, the picture thing for you is almost crazy because it's a president. The guy was president. At the he time. was I, the acting president of the United States of America. And how many people would just want to go talk to him just to say hi, just to, because it's a president. Right. Well, I mean, Bill Clinton came here after he was in president, after he was in office. And I, don't, and I forget, I don't know if he was stumping for Hillary Clinton or whoever's running for governor. I don't remember. And I think he went to Redwood Acres to speak or something. I wasn't in town because I was bummed. Like, I wanted to go, how cool is that? Like, I mean, that's like a rock star coming to town, right? And so I wanted to be a part of that. And I remember people from the, the radio station, the local community who got a chance to go out there. And they, you know, they loved it and had a great experience. And they, they shared that. And why shouldn't they? You know, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, I think it's... It's a memorable experience to say the least one way or the other. Did you get to talk to him or was it just, you got to go up, take a picture? Uh, I mean, so you got a second. I can give you the story. Yeah. Lay it out. All right. So, uh, it's my buddy's 40th birthday. Uh, Eric Pearson, Matt Forty on Vikas Gadania. That's, and myself, we're on a 10 day trip through Ireland and our excuse is essentially golfing. And it's a trip we planned out. We booked about 18 months in advance. So, uh, Dunebag is the course that we will eventually run into the president at, and he also owns this golf course. Um, 
And unbeknownst to me at the time, but not that it mattered. It's a classic course. It's been there for a hundred years. So regardless of who owned it, I was going to go. Okay. So fast forward, I call the pro shop like five days beforehand to cancel a caddy request. First world problems. Cause I realized I want to talk to my friends while I'm golfing. I don't want to first world problems. When you talk to caddies, like you're out there and you're having the same conversation. What do you do for a living? Do you have any kids? You married? It's like, it just, I want to talk to my boys. I'm on this trip. We're having a good time. So I call to make, and they're like, oh, hey, just to let you know, your golf round might get interrupted. I'm like, okay, are we going to get to play 18 holes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all, just FYI, the president of the United States is going to be here that day. He likes to play fast, so if he plays through, you have to let him. And I'm like, that's nuts. So fast forward a few days later, we're driving into the town of Lahinch. Dunebag sits right outside of Lahinch, and it's very similar to America, right? Like, you start to see... American flags. Some are upside down. Some are right side up. Like half the people hate, half the people are like, okay, blah, blah, blah. So then the next day we go out there, but it's Irish army. It's military. Like we have to go through multiple checkpoints. People are like, you can't go. And like, what are you doing? Like, oh, we're golfing. Like you can't golf today. And they call the pro shop. I'm like, that's sure enough. So we get through, we finally get out and we're going and we're playing. We're out on the golf course and there's, we're getting waved down. We're getting, you know, uh, wanded. You know, we had to give our passports to get in. It's, you know, it's the president of the United States. You can hear the F-16s above. There's, there's like a battleship or destroyer out there. It's just, it's crazy. And there's dudes in suits everywhere. So I make the comment to one of the guys. I'm like, hey, do you think I can get a, you know, president with, or a picture of the president? I mean, I want to document. This is nuts. Nobody's going to, because nobody will believe you, right, that this is happening. And he blows me off. I ask a couple more people, and it dawns on me, like, they're Secret Service. Like, they don't give a shit about me, and their job is not to make sure the president can take selfies with these idiots who are on their golf, course, golf trip. So fine. Forget about it. And my friends always make fun of me, too, for being too loud and boisterous. So we're through the round. We think it's never going to happen. We're coming down 13, and you happen to pass the cross stand again on 9, and he's coming down 8. He's got an entourage of about 150 people. He's probably 100 yards from us, and I'm like, this is nuts. Like, here's the most famous slash infamous person in the world right now. And you see him right there. Like, this is bananas. So I'm there and I'm getting a beer at the turn stand and his official photographer is up and she's getting a water. So I'm like, hey, you can you ask the president if you know, we can get a photo? She's like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. So I watch her walk back over to the president's about to tee off. She's not even talking to him. And I'm like, all right, nobody's like, I'm on my own here. So sure enough, the three guys he's playing will all walk, playing with, walk out of the bathroom. Three tall white guys who look like golfers. Eh, what do you know? I fit the bill. So I just start walking with these guys. Boom. I'm getting through Secret Service. Nobody's paying attention. I'm like, boom. So I get within like 30 yards and this guy grabs me. He's like, are you with them? And I was like, no. He's like, well, you can't come any closer. So I just buck up, put my hands together. I'm like, Mr. President. Screams like, can we get a foot? I make the, like the camera you know, picture, and he just looks. And you can see the Secret Service people, like, mortified, right? And he just waves us over. I'm like, this is nuts. So I, like, adrenaline is running like, like nothing I've ever felt. Like, this is going to happen. So I kind of, like, start in a sprint. The same guy grabs me, and he's like, walk. Don't run. Fair enough. And anyway, so we got up to him, and we're like, oh, Mr. President, you know, can we take a photo? You know, thank you so much. And He's like, what do you think of the golf course? Just small talking. And then he goes, where are you guys from? And the two guys like, we're from Texas. And he was all excited about that. And my buddy and I were like, we're California. And he just laughed. And so we take said photo. And as we're walking away, you could tell that, 
he goes, he's a celebrity or he like, cause he were walking away. He goes, guys, guys, guys. And we turn around and we're like, yes, sir, Mr. President. He's like, make sure it's a good photo before you take off and posted the photo about an hour later and the rest is history. <laughs> it's a professional right there. He, he, he definitely was not his first rodeo. That's for sure. Way to stick with it. I mean, talk about persistence. Hey, man. I was on a mission. I wanted proof that that happened because I knew it was a day I'd never forget. So, and I needed people to, uh, I needed proof to see it, to, to, you know, know what happened. And so I have that proof now, whatever it's cost me, who knows what sort of relationships it's cost me. My, that's the only time I think my mother's been truly disappointed in me. But worth it. Absolutely. I mean, you got to, I do it again a in a crazy heartbeat. experience. I, absolutely. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Was he nice? Was he yeah, pretty cool super, when he was yeah. chatting I mean, with you guys? Yeah. I mean, it was, it all took place in probably like 30 seconds. Um, but it just, he, it was very just like, what do you think of the, cause he owns the course now. And he's like, what do you think of the course? And it was just small talk, but there could have been more. I'll be honest, Nick. Like my adrenaline level was just like kind of blacked out there for a minute. I did. Like there was like a three minute span of my life. I, again, I probably needed the photo for me so I knew it actually happened. Because if not, I'm like, was that? Did that actually? Yeah, it was. The adrenaline was pumping. It was just like I can't believe that really happened. <laughs> yeah, and completely unplanned. What a crazy, what a crazy experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I'm leaving. So two days later, we're leaving, and I'm in customs. And when you go through customs in Ireland to get back into America. You actually go through, they have a U.S. Customs in the airport. And I'm convinced that I've just like, I've been golfing and maybe having a few Guinness and Jameson. So I'm, you know, looking a little beat up. And for whatever reason, the, the thing won't pick up my face when they, you know, they're trying to face real ID you going back through. And he's like, uh, he's like, you're not popping up. I said, like, well, see, oh, this is, it was a 10 day golf junket and I've been a little hard on myself. And he's like. He's like, oh, did you know the president was here golfing? I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, he's all, let me guess. You played, with, he's like, uh, you played with him, right? And I was like, well, no, but I got a photo. And the guy's like, he's like, no, you didn't. And then I showed him the photo and he laughed and he let me through security. So, <laughs> Case in point right there. People don't believe it without proof. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. It was just proof. Love it or hate it. You know, so me and Trace Picos have that in common, whether it's the president or don't cancel us, please. Well, the ironic thing is how many people would have done the exact same thing. They were shitting on you. In that moment, if they yeah. had the opportunity. I mean, I, literally, people were like, I can't believe you didn't do anything. What was I going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Attack the president? Be like, oh, hey, I just, I mean, first, I would never do that, period. But it's like, oh, yeah, rest in peace, JB, who got, you know, murdered by the hundred Navy SEALs and Army. Like, these were bad, like, dudes that could do bad things. <laughs> like, you want to talk about security detail? That man had a security detail, okay? Like, probably nobody else. Yeah, I don't like your odds in that situation. It's not going to go well. I wanted to play more golf and have another Guinness, so that was uh, that was definitely not happening. But yeah, people were people were spirited one way or the other. Are you? Do you ever think about the cancellation thing? Are you pretty protected because it is a small? You're in a smaller market. Uh, you know, no. I think it's worse in a smaller market to be because everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows each other. I think things. Yeah, I mean, whatever you say, like it's gonna. I mean, forget even saying stuff on air. Like we're all, everybody knows everybody, I feel like in Humboldt County. So even if I say something to you off the air, like I'm just convinced it'll get back to, to other people. Um, I, anyways, I just think you have to, you know, just be conscious of what you say. I mean, I think good radio or good entertainment is not being a robot or not trying to go out and offend people. But at the same token, too, yeah, you're one off-the-color comment. Like, I'm sure there are things that I've said in 2022 when I first started on radio, or excuse me, 2000, whenever, many years ago, that 
were unnoticed then that today, like the pitchforks would out be out and people would just be like, you know, get, get rid of them. But I, you know, I think in the end you just, you gotta be, you gotta be yourself and you gotta be candid, but you know, live, live by the golden rule, you know, say, don't, don't disparage people or other stuff on the air and be treated like the way you would, you would want to, but yeah, you have to be yourself too. If you try and I'm sure you found you've been doing this for four years. If you try and you're going to go out and do a podcast or I'm going to do a radio show for people, I don't think it's going to be a good, like you got to be true to yourself. And, and quite frankly, if you're doing a good job, then that probably means some people don't like you and some people do. I mean, the last thing you want to be is, and, and of course there's always the accountability aspect. I don't want to say like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, which I probably am at this point, but you have to be interesting. If you're going to make it in media, I think you have to be interesting. Charles Barkley, right? Like he is the king of color commentary, at least in the NBA. And I'd say he's probably the best there's going. He, he doesn't, I mean, he lets it fly. Right. But I, I mean, I don't know if he gets a hall pass cause he's been around for so long or people love the Chuck cause he's like your uncle and certain guys can't, can't do that. But, um, I don't know. I think if you, if you really try to like, it's like, my goal is not to offend people today. Is that something people really want to consume? Well, is it something that's even authentic at that point? You have to kind of self-censor yourself to fit into this mold you think you have to be in to do the thing. Right. The good news is you're not going to get fired. The good news is, though, or the bad news is probably not going to get hired by anybody because it's just, it's not, it's not interesting. I mean, the bottom line is like, if, if you want people to tune into your podcast, it's got to be interesting or like what value, you know, am I getting? So like, I know. When you reached out to me the other day, you know, so I was like, all right, I'm going to take a listen. And then I scrolled through and I was like, okay, so I'm going to listen to, you know, the interview you had with Kim Bergell. So it's like, all right, well, here's the mayor. So, okay, for you, that's, that's a great position because you're going to get the mayor of Eureka on. And clearly people want to know what the leader of our city has to say, or at least in, in my opinion. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody's going to watch this. I don't think I'm going to do this shit. What I have to <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> Just I'm surprised the, anybody watches any of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how do you be interesting? Have you learned anything from your, your stint in radio so far? Because I think about that. I mean, you had... When I think of radio, I think of Howard Stern. Right. But I wasn't around for that era. Like, I didn't right. see when he him like, in his prom. So, like, his movie's really good. If you look at, like, private parts. And, you know, whether you... It's, like, one of the great things in that movie, they talk about the average listener who loves Howard Stern listens for five minutes. The average listener that hates Howard Stern listens for 18 minutes, right? So here was Howard. Whether you love him or hate him, he was interesting. So he got, you know, like polarizing. So back to sports, you know, the reason the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Cowboys get put on TV all the time isn't simply because they're America's team. But when they're on, you're going to have an, as a sports fan, you're going to have an opinion. You either love the Yankees or can't stand the Yankees. You either love the Cowboys or you hate the Cowboys, right? So, like, I hate the Cowboys. So, guess what? When they're on, I'm probably going to watch because I want to see them lose. Well, people listen to Howard Stern because they wanted to see him win or lose. But I think, right, he was the shock jock. The original, and so, he, he found a way to walk the line legally, what the FCC would allow and would not allow. And he got people's attention, like, would I love to have a career like Howard Stern? Sure. Like who wouldn't want all those millions of dollars and all those listeners? But like, my thing is I'm not Howard Stern. So 
Like I just couldn't do that because if I tried to be Howard Stern, in my opinion, would be on you know it would be wouldn't be authentic, you know, and it would just it would be very transparent that I was trying to be someone that I am not. So I think you just have to find you got to find your niche and go with who you are and you see know what happens. see what happens. Period. Do you think that he was really that guy, or do you think he kind of built up? the shock jock persona and was doing this stuff knowing that it's sensational, that people are going to buy into it. Oh yeah. I think absolutely. I mean, if you think, yes, I think a lot of it was his on air persona. I mean, I think if you look, if you look at his life, right, he's a family man who's been married twice. He divorced his wife and there was a bachelor for a little bit. And then, you know, got into another relationship he's been for 25 years. I think if you listen to his show, you would think he's like some sort of Hugh Hefner and different women each night. And that's like, you know, what he kind of portrays or that lifestyle. But if you look at the facts, he appears to be quite the opposite. Now, I don't know. I haven't run into, uh, you know, Howard on a golf course or never met Howard Stern, but I definitely think it's, it's a, it's a persona to, to say the least that the, the shock jock that he puts on. And, um, but I think it is probably, it's definitely within his belief value and, and things of that nature. I mean, I don't think that just popped up out of nowhere. But to his credit, uh, he's had a hell of a career, and now he's kind of getting blowback because a lot of people feel that he's kind of, as he's aged, he's the opposite guy of of who he used to be. And I can tell you, I, I have Sirius XM, and I'll listen to Howard from time to time. I think he's a great interviewer, and I really like when he has somebody on that I'm interested in, I'm going to tune in. Cause I know he's going to do a thorough job and he's going to do a great interview and he's probably going to get answers that I want to know that normal people can't pull out of said celebrity or interesting person. Uh, to me, that's interesting. And I like, you listen to an interview. I think anybody does interviews. You'd probably like take notes from this guy. Um, but like the shtick or like the phony phone calls or guys talking about their bowel movements for me, it doesn't really move the needle. <laughs> do you think that you listen more now for the guest absolutely. than for Howard? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I'll tune in if he has a guest on, then I'll listen. Or I do like when him and Robin talk about the news, you know, and kind of give their their spins on different stuff. But yeah, when he's got his like cast of characters and they're going off on some of these tangents, like, you know, I mean, it's not that I have a problem with it, but there's just other stuff that's more interesting. I would, you know, listen to. He's interesting in that he built that persona. And was able to maintain it. And you're right, he's kind of shifted now. He's almost flipped. Right. Well, I mean, but I assume as we all get older, we, you know, things change a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I can you be a 65 year old guy having, you know, 22 year old girls on and you're throwing baloney at their backside? Like, I don't know how that hits anymore. Maybe when he was 25, it was okay. And as we talked about, right, like the what's acceptable is also change as well. I mean, how did Howard not get canceled? Plenty of people would have loved to cancel him back in the day. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what he would do if he was starting out today. Absolutely. If he would still try to build up that shock jock persona and go to the extreme or if society would kind of corral him a little bit. Right, or never, or maybe what if he starts today? Now, you could say, right, he was the pioneer, so who knows where we'd be today. But let's just say social media and everybody with their shock value is already out there. Are you even going to notice Howard Stern? Is That's he just another... You know, another shock shock or another people trying out. to get, you get drowned out. Cause here's, okay, here's this, you know, this guy who's, you know, just trying to, to get clicks or get listeners by doing X, Y, Z. 
when can you even maintain a career, let alone build one in today's right? world? And so I think that's another kudos to him. Like he, I mean, he said what, 40, 50 year radio long career, time. long time. And I mean, Sirius XM keeps giving him, you know, hundred million dollar contracts. So clearly somebody's still tuning in and something I, I pay for my subscription. And I think part of that is also when you live in Humboldt County, if you like road trips, uh, you you gotta. Know, between between uh, radio reception and cell phones, you kind of, you know, if you're going to drive to Redding, you better have satellite radio or downloaded different podcasts. Because I'm not a big music guy on long road trips. Like, I got to be thinking about other stuff. So I need something to occupy. I'll be listening to your podcast. I'll download that or something on the next road trip. But yeah, I think if you drive outside of the greater Eureka, Humble Bay area, satellite radio is a necessity. Because I mean, the cell phones don't work for half a 299. So it's not like you can just stream your favorite whatever you got going on. Yeah, it'd be a long road trip in silence if you tried to go that route. Yeah, yeah. Nobody I'll leave that, that for my dad. My yeah. dad likes the silent road trips. <laughs> Me, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's Part of me is happy that, I mean, you have to look at how he pioneered it and what he did, and he definitely kind of paved the road for Absolutely. radio in general, definitely for podcasting, just going off the walls like right, that. Right, because he's not a traditional, like, if... A lot of you or you know, you listen to radio, you probably don't pay much attention to it. But look, there's probably eight minutes worth of content and three minutes worth of commercials, and they just rinse and repeat. Well, he may go an hour and a half if he's got a good interview going, right? So may and that's you know, podcasts and stuff. That's that's totally common now, but you didn't do that back in the day. That's just not how it was. So he I think definitely, you know, paved the road for a lot of different yeah, for that this type of format, you could call it. Well, let me ask you, Nick, why do why did you get into this? I was going crazy because of COVID. Okay. I was, I, there was a period where I didn't leave my house for like three months. Okay. And all I was consuming was shit online, mm -hmm. on Instagram, on social media. And I just realized something had to change. And this seemed like the perfect format to get people to talk to me. Because you can't really just reach out to some random person and say, hey, do you want to go grab a coffee and right. just talk about what you're doing? Kimberly might not want to just have random coffee with yeah, you. Yeah, I don't think she would be interested <laughs> in doing that. I mean, she might. I don't know. But yes, it seems that might. Yes, I agree with you. But it's like a captive audience because people are more so willing now. When I was starting out, you don't really have the back catalog. And so people, you're reaching out to people and they're like, who the fuck is this? Right. Who? What, what do you want to do? Right. You've had three people on and I don't know any of them. What are we doing here? And now it's kind of, like you said with Kim Brigell, you kind of build up these people and then more people. Right, like I don't, and I apologize. Don't take it the wrong way. Like I didn't know who you were before this. No. And so I just simply said, okay, well, where can I check out, you know, what you're doing? So you told me, and then I was like, I looked through the list and I'm like, I mean, I knew a lot of the people on there, but I'm like, all right, I want to hear what, what Kim has to say. And then I was thinking about it this morning. I'm like, fuck, I should have like asked Nick what he wants to talk about because Anyways, but I also, I like the organic conversations. I don't, I don't think I, I like to interview people too. And so like when I do, you know, doing the humble state game for years, right? Like I'm going to have a five minute interview with the subject. I don't want to talk to them beforehand and let the best stuff get out. And then you forget to ask that because you already, um, you know, you knew the answer, but I know it's your show, but I'll, I'll ask one final question before we go. So you started the podcast, you want people to talk to you. What do you want the consumer of this podcast? Like what, if you overheard two people talking about your podcast, what would you hope they were saying about it? I have no idea. I don't know who the consumer of the podcast is. Okay. Which well, I like when you have me on or Kim on or Scott Q. Marcus, is it just you want to talk to them or you want to, um, you know, 
interview them and get, you know, certain answers or ideas or where they sit on different stuff. It's just, I want to talk to them. Okay. That's kind of been my metric for all of them. It's just, do I think the guest is interesting? And it's hard sometimes. And sometimes it's bit me in the ass because some people don't have a social media presence or don't have anything online. So I'm reaching out to them, really not knowing anything about them. And mm -hmm. then it, you know, it kind of backfires. You're like, oh, this was not. Well, hey, you killed your curiosity. Yeah. Mission but that's, I think that's the only way that this could be anything long-term. If I'm reaching out to people for some alternate reason or because I think, oh, if I bring this person on, people are going to want to listen. That just seems like a slippery slope. And then I'm doing this for people I don't even know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fine line, right? Like you got to, you got to stay true to yourself. And then the same token too, you have to interview people that, you know, people want to hear from. So like, who That's are the hard part? Who are those people in this community? Right? Like, I guess it depends if you're going the political aspect. I mean, you've got the, I'm sure Miles Slattery, the Rex Bones, you take, you know, your different people who are involved with you know, possibly shaping the future of this community or whether that's President Jackson, um, you know, or just the people who are the personalities of the community, or maybe there's personalities or mover and shakers that, you know, that we don't, that we don't know yet. The interesting part is the most challenging because I, I used to have a guy who worked in here with me running tech okay. and he, we did a podcast and it was shit, pretty shitty. Okay. And we're, we're talking about it afterwards. And I was like, man, that was rough. And he went home that night and he was talking to his buddy and his buddy made the comment of, well, who, who cares about what this guy is like his organization or what he's affiliated? Right. Like, who cares? Why, why are you talking about this? Cause it wasn't, he wasn't part of some big group. He wasn't doing anything really crazy. It was just this kind of small time thing. Right. I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of a good point. Like who cares about this topic? So I, thought it was going to be interesting it wasn't panned out but deeper than that is the story behind it interesting is there any value in that right. and sometimes there's not sometimes somebody's just doing something and there's no deeper meaning right but you got to shoot and find out you got to shoot and sometimes you get burnt that's the hard part <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's an imperfect science and yeah do people care or like i could have taken a photo that day golfing with the most conservative person in the world and maybe nobody would give a shit. But the fact that it was Donald Trump, nobody gave a shit about me and my three buddies in that photo. I mean, quite frankly, I thought it was a great photo. I liked it because, you know, my, I was fit and nice. And I was like, hey, this is great. Nobody saw me in that photo, okay? Nobody gave two shits. So, yeah, I think, I think for you or whomever's doing stuff, you gotta, you, it is finding that maybe that happy medium of doing stuff you want. And look, like I could do a podcast on, you know, my favorite holes of the golf courses in Humboldt County or who's got the best greens or this, that, and the other. I really don't think too many people would give two shits. <laughs> Except for me and a couple other golf dorks around here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I don't have the experience yet to charter my path. So I'm, I'm branching well, what? Okay, directions. so you've got 100 how many episodes? I think this is 157. Okay, so... Let me ask you this. Do you think the most reaction you've gotten from different episodes has been based on how good you thought the interview was or who, you know, the guest was or what they said, or just maybe it was a shit. You thought it was a shitty interview, but you had somebody on that. Oh, I want to hear what so-and-so has to say, or again, maybe like your tech buddy. Holy hell, that was fascinating. And he was great, but. 
you know, people are going through the Spotify and they're like, ooh, Jim Smith, radio technician. Think I'm going to pass on that one, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, it happens. So, I mean, who, what guest has gotten the most reaction out of all the shows you've done? And do you think it was your best interview? You know what's interesting? If off the top of my head, I think it was back when uh, Karen Paz Dominguez was okay. on. And I think it's and just that was, because, that was a hot topic going for a while. I think that's why is it just kind of took off because people didn't understand what was going right. on, but they knew something was happening that there's some shady stuff going on yep. in the auditor controller's office, yep. but they, they're only getting one side of the story. So that, yeah, that's great stuff. But I didn't think it was going to be, I was just interested because I'm reading all this stuff online and it seemed one side and I couldn't really paint a full picture. Right, well, that whole thing, right? Like the story is getting told by the other side. Nobody's hearing from what the person directly right? like involved. There's, I mean, it's, it's an old adage, right? There's two sides to every story. So, you know, her, the people on the other side of that kerfuffle, we'll call it, because um, I don't completely understand everything that happened. I'll be the first to admit, but they were the only ones really seem to be providing information. So yeah, I'm sure that was great. And that's what people love. Like, okay, what does she have to say about what's going on? Because I think as a consumer, that's what we felt avoid of. Like, okay, what does she have to say? What's the other side of the story? Or how is she going to defend herself? Because all I'm, everything I'm hearing isn't very good. Is that how you frame your interview? Are most of them sports related when you're yes, doing your interviews? Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yes. You know, I just try to, I look at it, I try to put myself in the consumer, but I think me and my consumer are similar. Like if you're listening to sports radio, there's probably a good chance we have some things in common. So what do I want to know? What do I want to know about said person? Now, granted, I've done plenty of interviews with non-sports people and I just, Look, they're five, three to five minutes. So I'm really sticking to the cl who, what, where, why, when. And then that's where I'm going to start. But if something you say, I mean, I think the best thing somebody can do during an interview, and this is a foreign concept for a lot of people, listen to what they're saying. And if they say something that triggers a question, okay, the door is open. I want to know more about that. So instead of why, I'm going to do a follow-up on X. Right? I mean, I, I think that's the key. It's I'm blown away, and people do this at all levels. They've got their list of five questions. All right, Nick, what's your favorite color? And you go, JB, I'm colorblind, and I hate colors, and when I see colors, they make me angry. Okay, what's your favorite dog? Like, no, like, what do you mean you don't like color? I know that's a stupid example, but they clearly, they asked you a question, and now they're thinking about what I'm going to ask you next. Instead of listening to the subject, what are they saying? And is it bringing up another question? Because they're probably, I mean, your interviewee is probably going to lead you down a much better road than you thought. Like, you know, you can Google, okay, J.B. Mathers has been on the radio, uh, sells some real estate, has photo taken with Donald. Like, okay, whatever. And then, but then you listen. What actually is their substance to this person? What do they have going on? And I think, Right as a consumer, you've heard interviews before. Like last night, the gal is interviewing, classic example, Joe Burrow is their player of the game, Monday Night Football, they won. He's dealing with a calf injury. She says, Joe, how does the calf feel? This is after the game. And he goes, well, you know, we did great. We feel awesome. And we're excited for next week. So no more damage to the calf? 
yeah, it was a great game. We won. We're having fun. He's clearly fucking avoiding the question. And I, personally, at that point, I think she should have pinned him down and said, Joe, how does your calf feel? Or just try to get, acknowledge the fact that he clearly is avoiding the answer. Okay. So clearly the calf's hurt. He doesn't want to answer. But then she let him slide. And she said, oh, how about that run from Joe Mixon? I just, I, what's up with the calf, bro? Tell me about at least just direct straight shot or, you know, the fact that he, I thought there was a story there. The fact that she, you know, I think she let him off the hook and he was, you know, clearly not. And, you know, I think, I think she should have asked one more time, but anyway, she just, she moved on and whatever. I mean, that's a hard part of also too, when you're interviewing people, you have relationships and you talk about accountability. Well, if she goes and shits on Joe Burrow, are, you know, the Bengals going to give her access to him anymore? And then ESPN's pissed off because they want to talk to the biggest stars. I mean, some poor guy for the OC register down in Orange County, he got shut out by USC. He was in a public room before a press conference and two players were next to him talking. And again, so he, what's he trying to do? He's trying to be accountable to his boss and his followers providing information that people can't get about USC football other elsewhere. Okay. It was not a private conversation. It was held in public and from he wrote a story about what was said at that conversation. And USC said, we don't like it. You can't be around the team for a month. How's that guy supposed to do his job? That's so a tough spot. You know, to be there's, in. there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of dynamics. Like, I mean, I've covered Humboldt state or Cal Poly Humboldt now for, you know, for years. And, you know, whether it was rest in peace, humble football, and we need to bring that back, or, you know, whether it's covering the basketball team, the men's, the women, you know, I'm on the road. Like, I'm talking to these players. I see them, the coaches, not as much the players, but the coaches you, you develop relationships with. And I'm just, I'm not going to shit on one of the coaches during a broadcast. Twofold. One, I'm working for the university at the time, but just as a human being, like, I have, I'm not going to take a cheap shot at, you know, somebody cause they made a mistake or they did whatever. But so I'm, I'm, I guess being accountable to the university, I have a relationship with her, but then I might get, you know, I I've been criticized plenty of times by fans of like, you know, why don't you, you know, the team played like shit. Why didn't you call them out on it? Throwing softballs. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm the king of a softball interview. I'm the first to admit it. Like, I don't, you know, I think, yeah. So here I shit on Laura Rutledge and I'm, but it's just, again, there's a lot that goes into it. But so my, you know, if the team's playing like shit and I've got to talk to the coach about it, you know, I'm not going to be like, boy, coach, what are you even doing out there? Your team looks terrible, which like maybe a shock jock or somebody's looking for me. I'm going to be like, you know, Hey coach, I know the team's working really hard. You guys just haven't quite lived up to your performance. Can you, you know, kind of take us behind the curtain, let us know what's going on. I think you're, you know, that to me, that's the same question, but in a softball form. Do you think you lose something by asking it in that way? Or do you think you have to frame the question that way in order to actually get a response? I just, I don't, I'm not a confrontational person. And so I'm not trying to confront or be negative connotation. I think, I think I asked the same exact question and now the coach is going to answer it opposed to, I mean, if I just like, oh, coach, your team looks awful. What are you guys even doing at practice? How does this happen? Like that's me leading with a negative connotation, right? That's a loaded question negatively. I don't think that does. Now the coach is just on defense and they're on defense. And I think they're going to be pissed off at me. So how does that affect me moving forward? 
Well, now the coach doesn't want to, they're not going to want to, like when I want to know what's going on, hey, why isn't so-and-so playing? I don't know, JB, check the injury report. Hey, coach, can I get an interview with this player so I can, because I like to interview, so when I do a game, I like to interview the coach in the pregame, and then I like to interview a player at halftime. And it's not so much X's and O's. I think it's an opportunity for people to get to know, you know, these kids, you know, what do you like to do? Why did you come to Humble? You know, everyone's got the story of, I mean, I don't care if you're into sports or not. Everybody has the, how the hell did I end up in Humboldt story? Right. So that's so, and especially at the college, like, how did you get it? And you usually, you know, oh, I love the beach or the people or, you know, and so you want to get to know these people. So for me, the relationships are important. And if they can trust me, I think they're more in tune to give honest answers opposed to, you know, uh, one of the girls here is that, you know, I'm shitting her on her the entire game because she can't, you know, hit a three pointer and her parents are telling her. And then I'm like, Hey, uh, Sally, can I get a halftime? No, no, you can't. So it's just, it's different how, how close you are to it. Whereas national media can be different. Um, or Howard Stern can be different because he doesn't, he doesn't care about that relationship when it's, when it's over or done with. Have you ever had to, I mean, it's interesting framed in that way because those are just, you're almost taking the same question, but asking it in a way where you're not offending the person. Yes, I would agree with that. Have you ever not asked a question, even if it was framed correctly because you were worried about? Yeah. Yeah. I've had coaches blatantly tell me before an interview, don't ask me that. You know, don't ask me why so-and-so is not playing or, um, or they'll, or they'll tell me, Hey, look, so-and-so is not playing because we're working on attitude adjustment. Uh, as far as we're concerned, they're, you know, they're sick today or something like that. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm not going to throw the coach under the bus for that. Or I'm not going to, you know, if they asked me something or told me something in confidence, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whereas if I was just some, well, there's the guy who, uh, writes for the time standard right now. I mean, he's been very upfront about, you know, digging in and, and going to the school. And, and I know that's, there's been a lot of friction in that relationship, but that's his style. Right. And that, and and I think as a consumer, right? Like you, it's probably the consumer probably enjoys the fact that, you know, instead of JB's, you know, buddy interview with coach Norwood, Jake is, you know, asking how this team, you know, lost this game and, and such. But it's also styles. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a confrontational person or I'm not trying to catch. I want to see people at their best, not their worst. Me personally. Has that been kind of an ethos that you've developed? I mean, did you start in radio thinking that? No, I think it's just personality. You know, I think my parents taught me about the golden rule. And so it's like, I mean, how would I, if I was getting interviewed, I wouldn't want, you know, I mean, I'm not at the stand at a jury trial. And also, too, we're talking about college sports. Yeah, Humble different State. than if you were not, interviewing it, a you know, Yeah, if it's something. a pro, somebody who's getting paid millions of dollars, or, yeah, like, you know, when you get a chance to sit down with, you know, Rex or Miles or Kim or whatever, um, you know, they are politicians, and they're, I guess Miles isn't a politician, but regardless, these people are making very important decisions that affect our city, our county, our community. Um, so I do think there's also a different level of seriousness and in, in what goes into it. So yeah, if I'm sitting across from Rex and somebody's asking me, you know, about the grandstands or something or whatever is a, you know, an issue that people may have a hot button in his district, I'll probably be, I would be more direct with him than, you know, 
than not. Like, I mean, I know when we had Rex on, Rollins got a relationship with him. So like when the rolling power outs were going on, Blayton, Rex, what the hell's going on? You know, that's the question. Because I think that's the question, too, people wanted to know. Uh, when the pandemic first started and we first caught wind of masks, and I was like, I meant we're like, are we going to have mask mandates in Humboldt County? And he's like, yeah, it's probably going to happen. What? Because, you, you know, it's so like foreign concept. And now you think back, it's like, yeah, everyone is going to do it. <laughs> so I, I just think there's, there's a time and a place for everything. That's something I feel like I struggle with still is asking the tough questions and and applying pressure when it's necessary. Right. Well, you just, you, okay, accountability. Are you willing, are you willing to get, you know, are you willing to handle the response they may give you? Because they might be critical of you in return too, you know? Hey, coach, team sucked today. What happened? Well, I don't know, JB, but I listened to people who heard your broadcast and said it was absolutely atrocious, and they wonder if English is your first language. I'm not strong enough. Well, that's a pretty right? good comeback too. So, right? So Damn. it's just like, you know, you also have to be accountable for your actions and right. So like, um, you, you know, the, the writer for the time standard, he's made it clear that he's coming after the university for his stuff. So, and I assume he's comfortable with it. Cause you know, that's his MO that he's the one who's got to go back on campus and get the dirty looks or, you know, feel that iciness or that friction for the coach. Now, I say kudos to the university for not being like USC and saying, hey, you can't come up here. Open door. He can cover it. But, you know, I'm sure he's well aware that there are, you know, there are consequences and there's, you know, different stuff. And maybe he wants that hard hitting interview with one of the players or the coaches and they're just going to say no. But again, that's just part of being a human, right? You, you just, you get it. And everyone's got a, a different style. Something interesting that I read about interviewing as a style is that you almost have to treat you almost have to treat each interview as if it's your first and your last okay you have to be willing to burn the bridge in order to have any real substance in right. that interview right and there, i mean it's twofold like you said because if you burn the bridge you're not going to get access to that person ever again right and that's true and that probably is right i mean like who are some of the greatest interviewers ever mike wallace okay he's going to go on 60 minutes he's got a goddamn blowtorch and he's going after it and as a consumer I love it because I know he is going to put these people in the hot seat and hold them accountable for what they need to do. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget one of my first interviews I did. Somebody was super nervous and I just say, Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not Mike Wallace. Like just chill out here. I'm trying. My goal is to make you look good. That's, I mean, I want to hear it. So, but it's again, that's on a national. How long would Mike Wallace lasted if he was burning bridges like that in Humboldt County? There's only so many bridges around here. Now, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, and that guy is so talented, he would have, you know, rose to the crop and ended up in, in New York City and on 60 Minutes, but, you know, what if he doesn't? What if he burns all the bridges, and then what are you, what are you left with? So that probably is a great interview style if it's people you're never going to interview again, or you're willing to, to do that, and it's just not my style, but again, there's not a, I don't think there's a right or a wrong way, and yeah, as a consumer, I think there's a time and a place, and yeah, I love... I mean, I'm sure you do, right? If there's some politician or some coach or some sports figure that has done something that I don't agree with, like, there's nothing worse than, than somebody, like, Ahmad Rashad was, like, the Michael Jordan guy, right? Like, that was Michael's guy, and that's the only one Michael will talk to. Yeah, because he, all he did was ask Michael softball questions. Well, as a consumer, I want to know, dude, did you play baseball because you were gambling? Flat out. 
Why did you play baseball for a year? Oh, because I decided to give it a try. Okay, so it had nothing to do with gambling. You know, no, Ahmad's going to be soft like J.B. Mathers. Michael, so you thought you could hit the fastball, huh? Oh, yeah, so I figured to give it a go. So, different ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have, you know, Larry King, who was notorious for the perception of throwing softballs, but got But he the got interviews. the guest, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are people who won't, I'm sure, won't go on Tucker Carlson, or they won't go on Joe Rogan, or they won't do stuff because they don't want to talk to that person. And I, I think Larry King had an ability of, you know, he had an hour. So he would, you know, he would, I think he was like your buddy or you were having a beer. He gave me the impression like they were having a beer or a cocktail together and he'd ask questions. And I think he'd slowly work his, his way in there. But you get like, you know, um, let's say Sean Hannity or something. Like they want to be combative. They're looking to get sparks fly. Like they want the person to walk out of the interview and he's made a lot of money doing it. So I understand why. He wants to do it, but is he getting big time guests on again? Or is it, yeah, I mean, Larry King got the guest. And, and I, again, I don't think everything has to be the burn bridge. Like, okay, here are two shows that I love. I love watching 60 Minutes. They're burning bridges. They're going after stuff, but it's a, I also love CBS Sunday morning. It's fucking Jane Pauly, okay? It's butterflies, it's soda pop, it's bubble gum. Great show. She's not burning any bridges, okay? So, I guess the moral story is there's, I don't think there's a steadfast way to do one thing or the other. Do you think it's just finding where your personality fits in that style? Well, again, back to the Howard Stern, you got to be who you are, right? Like if you, if you ran into me at the grocery store, I was dealing with the clerk. I don't think you would catch me being combative because they rug up my thing wrong or somebody cut in line, right? So I just don't think it's in my style to be abrasive or combative. So that's, you know... Um, it's just not, it's not in my, my wheel. I'm not saying I, I can't be combative, but you really have to irk me for that to happen. So I just think back again, you got to be who you are. It would be inauthentic if I came on here and was like, all right, bro, 30 minutes, fucking ask what you want. Hurry up. Let's go. Dude, that's a dumb question. Like who cares? Uh, you know, or something like that. It's just, it's not, it's not who I am. And I think you got to be true to who you are. And I bet there are going to be people who are maybe even some people I've mentioned that, uh, are possible interview subjects who will be combative. And that's a little more their style. And quite frankly, Nick, I'm here for it. I'll get my popcorn out. I will listen because I want to, you know, hear somebody get a little irritated or, or irate, or even like, you know, let's say, let's say you get miles on. Okay. The city manager. And you don't have to ask him Dude, what is up with those, those like poles on fairway drive, right? That's you coming after them. But you could simply say, Miles, nice to have you on. Hey, question. I've gotten some emails and I've heard in the community, a lot of people are not pleased with these poles that have put on fairway drive. Take me about what, what was the, the reasoning behind putting that up? In my opinion, you just asked the same question, but now it's not you coming after the subject. It's simply asking a question instead of the negative commentation or being being combative. Yeah, being able to phrase a question like that is an art in itself. I don't think when I'm talking about applying pressure, I don't think it's necessarily being combative. It's more so, I mean, especially the politicians are an easy one to point to because 
you have to apply pressure. Otherwise, right. you're not going to get anything right. of substance. But when I say that, it's not trying to, you know, be a Sean Hannity or be a right. whoever. Just I, I think it's simple as you don't then like take Laura uh, Rutheridge again with the, the Joe Burrow. You just keep yeah, asking you the just, question. You hammer you just, home. You just, Joe, she, she tried it the first time. He didn't answer. She tried it again. She let him off the hook. It's like you with the president. You got to keep going. You just, you know, if she really wanted to know what's up with his calf, you know, at some point, or just keep asking. Because I don't think he's just going to walk away. Because he's going to look like a huge dick if he just blows her off and walks away. At some point, he's going to answer the question specifically. Now, he might. But, yeah, she let, him off, she let him off the hook. And, again, to back, there's a lot of different reasons for that, right? Like, she has a relationship with the NFL, the team. And she did. She asked. In her defense, she could be like, JB, I fucking asked him twice. He didn't answer it. I moved on. Okay. Fair enough. But, again, that's, she didn't have, I mean, at no point was she ever going to be like, Joe, answer the effing question. It was not going to happen. But she could have. You know, continue to, uh, like Mike Wallace probably would have just continued to hammer Telly answer the question. So I just think there's, it's life, right? There's multiple ways to go about it. But if you are interviewing someone and you are looking for a specific, not to say you should never steer them to get the answer you want, but yes, you want to know why, you know, you put LED lights in here. I'm going to keep asking you, you know, why you put LED lights when, you know, I don't think. I was much prettier before I came in here, and then I don't think these lights are good for my face. I'm being facetious, but you get my point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I think part of it is just the skill that comes with time. I mean, you seem to have a very solid grasp on your style, on who you are. Did well, I'm you, 46. I've been doing it for, shit, 23 years now. I know, I've but being in media. media can yeah. kind of corrupt a person or alter them or... You know, you meet those people who are. Well, who knows? Maybe I would have been. I would have been awesome and way more friendlier if I hadn't been in it for twenty <laughs> years. No, I, I just again, a thing I love about radio in the morning is, you know, it's not life or death. The hardest part of my day is getting up at five in the morning. Literally, it's all downhill from there. And when you sell real estate, you also know, you're like that's a lot bigger stuff. Like people are much more emotion. There's a lot more money involved. Like. You know, as long as I don't just go completely off at the rails, you know, at the radio station, it's not the end of the world. It's just the Dodgers suck. I hate the Cowboys. And so, you know, Cowboy fans are going to disagree. But in the end, we can still have a beer together. You know, if I screw up somebody's multi-million dollar real estate deal, dude, they're not having a beer with me. They're going to be pissed. And so maybe you can get more jaded. But I, I think one of the re look, the reason I got into radio in the first place, I was going to Humboldt State playing football. I had no clue what I wanted to do. My buddy's like, bro, we can get our own show on the college radio station. I'm like, oh, yes, let's go. That sounds like fun. And then I just kind of stumbled into it and one thing led to another. So I've always, I've always enjoyed it. I've always loved it. Right. And so if you love it, it look, if it jaded me, then I wouldn't do it anymore. Plain and simple. So yeah, the saddest thing to see is people just punching a card to cash a check. And, and yeah, I mean, I, dude, I've waited tables, I've done construction and more power to those people who wanted to, it's not my cup of tea. That's not like, I don't want to wake up being like, shit, I got to put my rain gear on and I need to pound nails. That's not me. Now, there are a lot of people and contractors and they love it. Bless their heart. Like, right when they're done with a job, 
They've built something. It's nice. Somebody's going to get livid and it's going to be their home. I guarantee you that is a gazillion times more rewarding than me being like the 49ers stomped all over, you know, the Giants the other night, right? So I don't experience those highs like when they're in the Giants. But the same token, too, I'm not trying to lay concrete when it's 20 degrees outside and the wind's blowing down or uh, let's just leave it at this. It's a lot easier to be on the radio hungover than it probably is to be on a job site. Yeah, I think that's that checks out. Yeah, so it's it's fun. Well, it's easy to see that you enjoy it and you're passionate about it. And you and Absolutely. Roland, you guys have a great chemistry. You guys are crushing it. Well, I'm glad. I'm I'm happy that that comes across because it's it is fun. I mean, we have a good time and we're able to you know take shots at each other and have some fun. But I think in the end, it's like we don't take ourselves too seriously. We have fun doing it, and I just hope that that comes through. I mean, in the end, right? People are taking their kids to school. They're off to that shitty job they may not like. So let's listen to these two yahoos or whatever, at least, you know, have a little, put a little bubble gum and butterfly. <laughs> I'm trying to be more Sunday morning than uh, 60 minutes. I think that's the key is just don't take yourself too seriously in anything. That, that's, I mean, that's probably a, a good thing in life. Like, again, you're never as good. You're never as bad. Don't take it too seriously. I mean, in the end, we're very lucky. We live in a beautiful community. We, we have our health, um, you know, able to pay the bills and have a roof over our heads. So, you know, sure, I'd, I'd love to have a private jet, but it's not the end of the world. All right. Well, JB, thanks for doing this, man. I hey, appreciate Nick, you coming on. appreciate it. Uh, had a great time. I hope you get more than one click on this one. And, uh, you know, you didn't burn the bridge. So anytime you need anything or uh, you're really hard for a guest, all you need to do is reach out. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll do another one. Maybe Perfect. we'll crack some beers in an evening podcast. And. Uh, do you want to plug all of your stuff where people can find you, where they can listen to the sure, show? Sure, sure. Uh, you can find me on any of the bi-coastal media stations. That's uh, Big Red Country, 92.3, Rollin' and I. Power 96.3 uh, with Lugnut, Cool 105 with the Rock and Roll Burly Man. When basketball season starts, I'll be back with my jacks calling Humble Sta- <clears throat> Cal Poly Humble Basketball Games on ESPN 107.3. And if you want to see the photo of me and Donald Trump, Mathers84. That's my Instagram handle. All right, definitely. I will check that out for sure. Thank you. Thanks, man. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely.